Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Namakarmakalpopi Vipalayeshwarpita Kalpate Purushasvaiva Sahyatmata Yatohitaha Activities dedicated to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, even if performed in small measure, never go in vain. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, being the Supreme Father, is naturally very dear and always ready to act for the good of the living entities. Purport by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. In Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says, Swalpam apyasya dharmasya trayate mahato bhayat. This dharma, devotional service, is so important that even if performed to a very small, almost negligible extent, it can give one the supreme result. There are many instances in the history of the world in which even a slight service rendered to the Lord has saved living entity from the greatest danger. Ajamil, for example, was saved by the Supreme Personality of Godhead from the greatest danger, that of going to hell. He was saved simply because he chanted the name of Narayan at the end of his life. When Ajamil chanted the holy name of the Lord, Narayan, he did not chant knowingly. Actually, he was calling his youngest son, whose name was Narayan. Nonetheless, Lord Narayan took this chanting seriously, and thus Ajamil achieved the result of Ante Narayana Smriti, remembering Narayan at the end of life. If one somehow or other remembers the holy name of Narayan, Krishna or Ram, at the end of life, he immediately achieves the transcendental result of going back home, back to Godhead. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is actually the only object of our love. As long as we are in this material world, we have so many desires to fulfill. But when we come in touch with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, we immediately become perfect and fully satisfied. <clears throat> Just as a child is fully satisfied when he comes to the lap of his mother, Dhruva Maharaj went to the forest to achieve some material result by austerity and penance. But when he actually saw the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he said, I do not want any material benediction. I am completely satisfied. Even if one wants some material benefit from serving the Supreme Personality of Godhead, this can be achieved extremely easily without hard labor. Therefore, the Shastra recommends, Akama sarva kamo va moksha kama udharadhi whether one desires everything or nothing, or desires to merge into the existence of the Lord, he is intelligent only if he worships Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, by rendering transcendental loving service. Even if one has material desires, one can undoubtedly achieve what he wants by rendering service to the Lord. 
Translation Activities dedicated to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, even if performed in small measure, never go in vain. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, being the Supreme Father, is naturally very dear and always ready to act for the good of the living entities. Akama Sarvakamo Va Mokshakama Udarati Tivrena Bhakti Yogena Yajeta Purushamparam Krishna, who is seated within the heart of every living being, through his feature of Paramatma, and who also expands himself in and between every atom, who is all-pervasive and locally manifest, and who simultaneously remains separate as the supreme cause of all causes, Vaikundanath, Lord Narayan, who is the supreme enjoyer dwelling in his eternal abode, the supreme father of all living beings. It is described here that it is only by his sanction and by his mercy that any of our desires can be fulfilled. It is said that man proposes and God disposes. In the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna explains that those materialistic persons whose intelligence has been captured by illusion they worship the demigods for some temporary material benefits to fulfill their sensual desires. And Lord Sri Krishna explains that ultimately the demigods are powerless. Whatever they have to give is coming from me and me alone. Therefore, a wise person simply worships me. Sarva karana karanam. Lord Hari is the cause of all causes. He is the source of all that is. Even the greatest asuras. We have the example of Hiranyakashipu. Due to his envious mentality and his insatiable pride, he wanted to be the master of all he surveyed within this creation. 
Therefore, he performed great, great tapasya in order to satisfy Lord Brahma. And with the sanction of Lord Hari, Sri Vishnu, Lord Brahma delivered to him the power given by God. It was not Lord Brahma's power. It was Vishnu's power. The demigods are simply the agents who distribute the potency to fulfill your desires. Suhridam Sarvabhutanam Sarvalokamaheshwaram But it is Krishna who is the proprietor of everything that the demigods are giving. And he is the best friend of all living beings. So Hiranyakashipu became very, very strong and powerful to conquer the universe by the divine will of God. But his great illusion was that he was thinking that this power is mine, that this kingdom is mine, that this reputation that I have earned is mine. Prahlad, his son, being a devotee of the Lord, he would constantly tell his father, that my dear father, you are simply chewing what has already been chewed. You should leave your home, you should go to the forest, and you should worship Krishna, who is the proprietor of everything, who is the bestower of all benedictions. You are simply ah, immersed in the blind, deep well of material family life. Hiranyakashipu could not tolerate it. He tried to kill Prahlad through so many means. You know the story. Throwing him into fire, into burning oil, throwing him off large mountains, <coughs> crushing him with large stones, with the feet of maddened elephants, feeding him deadly poison, piercing his body with spears and tridents and swords, harassing him with harsh and cruel words. But Prahlad was unaffected. And ultimately, Hiranyakashipu, being frustrated, he asked Prahlad in great anger and sarcasm, where do you get your power? And Prahlad told him, my dear father, I get my fa fa power from the same place that you get your power. From Krishna. From Bhagavan. Krishna is the power source. The demigods may be the various outlets, but all the power is coming from Krishna. A pious person may take and plug a stove into the wall to cook prasad for everyone. 
he's making very good use of the power of God, the power of the power plant. Another, another person he may ah, plug in a horrible thing like a television set ah, to watch all kinds of crazy, ridiculous uh, so-called entertainment. Another person may plug in an electric chair to kill somebody. It is all the same power coming from the same power plant. But according to our mentality, we utilize that power. Some people are cooking with stove, some people are refrigerating with refrigerator. Hot or cold, but it is the same power. It is a question of what, our, what type of receptacle is our consciousness of how we will use the divine energy of God. So Prahlad Maharaj was using his divine energy, God's divine energy, simply to glorify for the benefit of all living beings. And Hiranyakashipu was utilizing the same energy, the same God-given uh, Shakti to usurp the rights of others for his own malicious sense enjoyment. But Prahlad told him, my dear father, everything is coming from Krishna. Nothing is ours. And, Pro and Hiranyakashipu was so furious to hear this. Where is your God? We talk about your God. I do not see him. If I do not see him, I do not believe in him. Where is he? Prahlad said he is everywhere. And then Lord Narahari in order to protect his devotee as the supreme loving father he appeared within the pillar to annihilate the demon Hiranyakashipu and thus take back what belonged to him very ironic too Hiranyakashipu worked so hard performed so much tapasya went through so much hardship to conquer the entire world and the result was he got to sit on the throne of the king of Indra, the king of heaven. But actually, who does that throne belong to? Does it belong to Indra? No. Does it belong to Hiranyakashipu? No. Sarhaloka Maheshwaram. That throne belongs to God. So ultimately, Lord Narahari tore the demon Hiranyakashipu to pieces with his sharpened nails as he was sitting upon the great demon's throne. Very ironic. He took him on the throne and threw him off. And again reestablished that I am the king. So the question is, do we want to become like Prahlad and simply stand on the side of the throne of our father 
and worship him with folded hands and chant his glories as his humble servant and the servant of his servants? Or do we want to try to sit on the throne of our Father, take the throne of our Father? Ultimately, our Father will appear to us as cruel death, tear us to pieces and throw us off our so-called throne. In other words, he will take away everything we have, everything we can do, and establish again the truth that everything belongs to me. So, Krishna is fulfilling everyone's desires. Therefore, an intelligent person becomes Krishna's devotee and worships Krishna with love. And it is described here, even if one still has material desires, worship Krishna. He will fulfill your material desires. But at the same time, because you are coming to him, gradually you will become purified of all of your material desires. Krishna says in Gita, there are four types of men that approach him. Those who are impoverished, that means they approach him for material desire, wealth. Those who are in great distress, another material desire. Looking for relief. Those who are inquisitive and those who are sincerely seeking out the absolute truth. But Krishna explains that all four of these types of people are considered saintly because they are coming to the right place. They are coming to the supreme purifier simply by remembering him, whatever their motivation may be, ultimately they will become purified. Sometimes we are very quick to judge devotees. But Krishna explains in the ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita that even if my devotee due to previous habits caused by past conditioning. Even if such a person commits the most abominable of all of activities, I consider him saintly because he is rightly situated. If Krishna considers him saintly, what is our position to consider him any other by any other calculation? This is the glory of anyone who approaches Krishna directly with devotion. So therefore, real intelligence is to understand that everything is the property of God and He is the Supreme Father who is very kind to me. Krishna says, when I am very kind to my devotee, I give that devotee whatever he wants. Just like the demigods, 
it is explained that many of the demigods, they are mixed devotees. They have material desires, but at the same time, they want to lord it over material nature. They want material opulence. They want luxury. They want a beautiful, beautiful family. They want to enjoy, but they want to do it and at the same time be in the service of Krishna. So Krishna fulfills their desires. He gives them a planet where they can live, where there is no material distress. He gives them a place with great wealth, great power, great health, incredible sense gratification, but yet day and night they are engaged in God's service. So that is considered to be the kindness of the Lord. In fact, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, for one who takes to the path of devotional service but does not finish, most likely he gives them the birth either in the higher planets as a demigod or in the family of devotees, which is the ultimate highest birth. In other words, if you have material desires to enjoy, but at the same time you're very devoted to Krishna and you're very pious, then you are most likely to take birth as a demigod in your next life. Or you can be enjoying like anything and you can be engaged in so much service for Krishna, so much important service. In other words, Krishna fulfills just what you desire. But if you sincerely desire pure devotional service, unmotivated, uninterrupted devotional service, but you die before you finish the process, then you take your next birth in a family of devotees, saintly persons, who will train you in such a way that you never have to take birth again anywhere in this material world. From the highest planet in this world down to the lowest, they are all places of misery. Therefore, Krishna says, yes, If I want to show my supreme compassion upon my devotee, I take into consideration what he really wants what his ultimate desire is. And I do not even consider at all his immediate desires. Huh? This is Krishna's great mercy. That he takes everything away that is required to bring us to the point of falling down on our hands and knees, raising our arms and crying out, Hey Krishna, hey Govinda. Save me. I have no one but you. Huh? That is the great mercy of the Lord. Krishna consciousness means to aim for this divine benediction. To have trust, to have faith. That Lord Sri Krishna, He knows our consciousness. He knows our every single desire, even to the minutest extent. He knows what we want and he knows what we need. 
And if we are in, if we are not so sincere, he will give us what we want. And if we are really sincere, he will give us what we need to fulfill our true desire. The transcendental loving service of the Lord. That is the true desire of the soul. So on whatever level we are in, or on whatever level others are in, we should be the instruments of compassion to guide people to the lotus feet of Krishna. Because simply by thinking of Krishna, ultimately, gradually, we become purified from all of our selfish desires in this world. And we desire only to become the maidservant of the Lord, the servant of his servants of his servants. Is there any questions? Yes, Shamananda. <coughs> Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur gives an example. <coughs> of the marriage party. You know the story? Generally the, the bridegroom's family goes to the bride's village for the marriage. Huh? You know how. In India this is the traditional system. So what happens is the bridegroom and his party, all of his relatives and friends, they all boarded a boat to cross a river. And it was just night coming. And they told the boatman that this is a very long and wide river. Please make sure you get us there by early the next morning because it is required that we tend to the functions at sunrise. The boatman said, no problem. You all go to sleep, have a nice night's rest. I will take care of all the rowing. And all night long that boatman was working very, very, very hard rowing that boat, rowing and rowing and rowing. And then the light of day came and everyone woke up and they looked around and they noticed that they were in exactly the same place that they were the night before. They said, what happened? The boatman said, I don't understand. I've been rowing so hard all night long. And then one of the passengers noticed that he forgot to pull up the anchor. The anchor is attachment to material enjoyment. If we do not give up our attachments to material enjoyment and sinful activities, even though we are engaging in so much activities, it appears that we hardly get anywhere. Hmm? 
In other words, this is a very, very slow, slow process. But better late than never. You see, if you do like this, eventually, after 16 years, you'll realize, I forgot to pull up the anchor, and you'll begin to pull it up, right? It's not that the bridegroom's party never made it, they just made it very late. So such a person, we should know that it might take him, not 16 years, it may take him 16 births, but eventually, because he's engaging in devotional service, eventually he will become purified to the extent that he says, I should pull up the anchor and continue on. Huh? So therefore, Krishna says, even such a person is to be considered saintly because ultimately he will reach the destination. He's on the way, but very slow. Very slow. Such a person is making advancement, but so slow. We can hardly see it. Huh? So why should we go so slow? With the same effort, with the same time, we can swiftly cross over the ocean birth and death if we simply engage in our devotional service with detachment. Huh? So I have just received the message that I must go to a very important meeting right now. We will end here. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.